Welcome to Tentpole Trauma, the podcast where we look at movies that came with hype and high hopes, but left with crushing disappointment, either critically, at the box office, or both. Freed from the weight of expectations, we seek to examine these underperformers under a new light, parsing through the good, the bad, and everything in between with the hopes of gaining a better understanding as to why they failed to find their audience. Warning, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie that we're discussing today, I suggest you stop the podcast and go watch it. Then when you come back and listen, you'll get more out of the discussion. On this episode, we unlock the secrets of Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Okay, I'm Sebastian, and I am here with Troy. Hello. And Chris. Hello. And we are here to discuss the film Tenet. It's the Tenet Pole Trauma Podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, so, you know, I, there when I suggested this to you guys, there was a little controversy. Uh, Troy came back hard. Uh he felt that this was not appropriate for tentpole trauma. That's that's absolutely right, and I'm still going to stand on that that hill there because I I feel like you're doing this, Sebastian, just because you just really want to talk about tenant. <laughs> this so is true. You're, you're going to need to tell me how this is a tentpole trauma. Well, because of a technicality. Technically, this movie underperformed <laughs> really severely it's like kicking a puppy it's i mean this came out like during covid and like it's streaming they can't put it in a theater well okay you know the whole idea behind this podcast is not just to kick movies that didn't make money when they're down this i would consider this a tentpole trauma because not only did it not make nearly enough money for how much it cost it's like a 300 million dollar movie it's made like a little over 300 million worldwide, which, you know, in a giant pandemic isn't something to be sad about. But, you know, the movie's not going to make it any money. But it's also because Christopher Nolan thought he was going to bring people back to theaters. This was a whole big ego move where he was like, he knew that the movie shouldn't come out, but he was like, this is going to be the movie that's going to bring everyone back back to the movies during this pandemic. Dune's also kind of doing the same thing, right? They're, they're trying. They're in a much more probably safe position with Dune yeah. because now they're not coming out until October. But like this was like right in the middle of the pandemic and yeah. Christopher Nolan was like, nope, not budging. <laughs> Didn't they move their date a few times though? I mean, he moved a little bit, right? They did. And then eventually a he bit. decided to... Just release it so that because he wanted he didn't want to hold it back anymore, or was it specifically to help theaters? He didn't want to hold it back. I don't think he was the one holding it back to begin with. I think right. that was all Warner Brothers. Right. But he was insisting that this was going to be the movie that was going to save cinemas. Right. So he didn't want to, you know, he wanted to put so, it out. There. So he thought everyone globally was going to risk their lives to see his movie. Correct. It, okay. Yes. <laughs> he was going to create the biggest super spreader event 
it during this whole pandemic. Right. To okay. save movie theaters. Okay. He's more concerned with saving movie theaters than lives is what it comes down to. Lives are expendable. Movie <laughs> theaters are not. Because where else is he going to show his IMAX movies that he yeah. makes? I mean, I really do think it's all about the IMAX to him for in a lot of ways. So I think that's why he has so much vested in saving movie theaters. Those cameras are heavy. I'm really glad I didn't see it in like a drive-in though, because I feel like it would have lost so much with the between the audio and the picture quality. You know, I was yeah. very excited to see this movie, and I'm actually happy I waited for the like you know the 4K blu-ray because it looks amazing also you guys had just recently like upgraded to a 4k system yeah right yes. before this came out so so you were seeing it in pretty pretty ideal conditions at home yeah i think i think nolan should have should have said i'm gonna save 4k or i'm gonna push 4k they should have yeah, i yeah. bet like so many people decided to upgrade during the pandemic and be like oh this will be a perfect you know first movie to watch in 4K, which it really was. The three of us specifically, I remember, we were all like, you're going to get Tenant? Yeah, you're getting Tenant, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Ten like, we all <laughs> like decided on like the same day to buy it in 4K. Oh, yeah, we all pre-ordered it. We had no idea yeah. if it was going to be good or yeah, bad. Yeah, that's we, true. It's like one of the first, you know, Blu-rays I've ever bought sight unseen, you know? Like, I don't usually do that. You see it in the theater, and then you buy, you know, yeah. your favorite movie or whatever. But Nolan's earned it. I figured even if it was a horrible movie, it'll. we all knew it was going to look great, and you know, obviously it was a good purchase. Yeah. For me, this is the, you know, I don't, I'm not going to the movie theaters, so I can pay what I normally would pay to go to the arc light because yeah. it's just not happening. And I think that like, regardless of what any of us think of the movie, I do not regret buying that $30 4k. Not at all. A pandemic. Not at all. When I threw it in and that first scene came up and it was like that IMAX screen in yeah. 4k i was just like worth it like totally. you know, i was so starved for a movie like a like a movie experience and it at least delivered as close as i felt was possible you know in this environment so going back to how this film was distributed unlike let's just compare it to like wonder woman or i'm trying to think of the other big movies that had to succumb to being released on hbo or just like how did those films perform compared to so what nolan did is or what warner brothers did is they said you're you're either going to go to theaters or you're going to buy this on dvd or buy it streaming right so yeah. that's, that's how you could see this movie yeah there was no like hbo max option for it obviously which there could have been because it it's a warner brother hbo max is warner brothers so like they could have tried to strike some deal like that to do this sort of simultaneously in theaters and streaming things but i think nolan was like no fucking way yeah i think he's a super must be super happy that he didn't get put into that um, bin of stuff that's just coming out to HBO now because he would have been so pissed. I'm sure he'd rather have people yeah. see do theater or 4K. He's pissed anyway. And... He's pissed <laughs> I know. for other people. Yeah, he should be. But like, He's I'm like just... pissed for Denis Villeneuve yeah. and stuff. Like, he's yeah. pissed. He's not going to work with Warners anymore. Yeah. Well, I guess my, my question is how, how did like wonder woman perform like is there any way of tracking nobody that or... really knows they don't That's release the their numbers yeah i think they yeah. said that you know everyone a ton of people watched it i know disney released mulan and made you pay like 30 bucks on top of um right a disney right. plus account so that was kind of crazy but i feel like no if somebody had like cracked the code and made like more money than the theater or as much money as the theater they would have been screaming it from the mountaintops and being like this is the way to go yeah 
So yeah. I don't think anyone's doing that. They did not crack the code. I guarantee you that when all the numbers are in, like Wonder Woman will have lost money. Yeah. They were just willing to throw it under the bus because which they're willing to do with Godzilla versus Kong and stuff, too. Like they, these are movies that they're like, yeah, they'll, they'll probably do. Well, I mean, Wonder Woman, I think they they figured would do a ton of money because everybody loved the first movie. But I also think Wonder Woman had just been sitting around for so long. And, you know, after it's come out, I think maybe they thought it wasn't that great. So they were kind of willing to put it out there. Right. I feel like the bigger directors and the more prestige big movies aren't they're gonna have to figure something else out like with dune i don't think dune is going to end up coming out on hbo max simultaneously i thought they they were going to do that after they all, said no? it they were they said it but then they've kind of walked it back oh, okay they basically have been like well we think we're going to you know put out they they basically we know we're getting Kong and um, like, you know, there's these other little movies like we're getting Mortal Kombat or whatever, but it's like they're not confirming 100 percent. They're just waiting to see what happens with the pandemic, basically. Like if it keeps going into October, then I'm sure Dune will come out on streaming, too. But if it's not, if it's, if things are like people are vaccinated and it's starting to go away, then they're not going to put it out on HBO. Max. Yeah, they're hedging their bets. So, Sebastian, if this was in an ideal situation, if this was back to normalcy, how do you think this movie would have done? Like, let's, what's your guess here? I think it would have been one of Christopher Nolan's least successful movies. I think it would have done better, obviously, than it did. Like, of course it would have. I think it, would have, it wouldn't have been a failure, but I think it would have been a notch down in Christopher Nolan. Because... Because I think people didn't understand the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, but I think that helps it. I feel like you go back to see it again and again. I've already seen it three times. Maybe. You know, I feel like the hardcore people would have been back and back and back and been like... You could be you know, right. It would have been more of a buzz because everyone would I talk about it. I think I would have paid twice to see yeah. this in the theater. Because I at the first screening, I could not understand mm -hmm. a single thing that was going on in it. and But I loved it. And I watched it with my wife... And she also loved it. And she's usually like lukewarm about these kind of big action movies like this. And yeah. she was into it. And we kept stopping it to try to ask you, like constantly stopping yeah. it to ask each other what the hell was going on. And yeah. I think I would have gone back. I would have in the theater gone to see it a second time. Definitely. I definitely would have because I loved the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I kind of loved it from the get go. And I understand everybody's complaints about it but i'm just like i don't care i love this movie <laughs> like yeah. and the fact that it doesn't the fact that it's so hard to understand it makes it fun for me and it's especially fun when you have the 4k blu-ray and you can just watch it again yeah. Like yeah. right away and just really try to dig into it we should make a pact right now that if if they re-release Tenant in the theaters after COVID is over, the three of us got to go see it. I'll see it again. I'll the see theaters. it in the theater. Yeah. Definitely. Let's see it in IMAX. We'll be just be like, yeah. Which actually could be a strategy for the studios to re-release oh, yeah. COVID movies in theaters totally. after this. So. Well, I tell you what, Troy. If they re-release it in theaters and make like a billion dollars, I will strike this podcast <laughs> off of the feed. <laughs> Um, so we're all on the same page, though. None of us understood this movie during the Not first, the first time through. 
for sure. Rather okay. than go through it point by point, like um, I off, we often do on the podcast, what I would like to do is just kind of cover the stuff that we're kind of foggy on yeah. and sort of talk it through to see if like, if any of us can bring new okay. insight to things, because I watched it again today yeah. and I definitely picked up, I'd say about 13 or 14 or 15% more stuff yeah. like, that I hadn't even noticed. Totally before yes let's totally do that and i again i just put it on right before this podcast and i was i didn't realize that the beginning i didn't even really get yeah so let's start right at the beginning yes i have a question right at the beginning too <laughs> okay so the movie starts at this raid at uh, kiev opera house basically it's amazing to look at it's imax you know we've we basically we see we what we first see is a group of terrorists going into this opera house then we see a team of like special ops guys who our hero, who's pretentiously named the protagonist, is among them. He's played by John David Washington. And so they go in and then they gas. Yeah. So wait, who is that team? That's the thing. I'm not totally. OK, about. that's my question, too. I'm like, yeah. are they CIA or did the CIA rescue that team that was undercover with Russians? There's so many because, yeah, I, I noticed that when they were when they gas people, some of the terrorists fall down and then some of them have gas masks and are ready for it. So it's like a triple double cross everywhere. It, when he's getting briefed afterwards, it doesn't uh, the guy who's Martin Donovan, Martin Donovan, he's briefing, he's briefing him and he says, who knows? It's, it's in Ukraine. It's in the Ukraine we don't, he, he kind of says that it's vague, right? Uh -huh. Well, and not only that, well, okay, here's the deal. The protagonist is definitely CIA at that yeah. point, okay? Yes. So he's in this team of like, they're like the Russian CIA or something, right? Oh. And this is all, to, they're, what they're trying to do is kill that guy that he rescues. Right. Like the, it's all an operation to they're making it look like it's this terrorist thing that's happening, but really they're doing it. It's all a to front get to that guy because they want to kill this one guy. Who's got the algorithm. Who's got, right. But the guy says, wake up the Americans as if he knows that they're CIA. So the KGB and the CIA are working together. They know. I think Guys, so. this isn't, I'm getting more confused as we're talking <laughs> about this. It's not working. Okay, well, I was hoping maybe you guys have some sort of... <laughs> Well, I don't know anything about what the mission was, but I think more so like what I picked on up on this time is whatever whatever was that mission was, his name we're not supposed to know. And then after the fact, this was basically they they put him specifically on this mission to see how far he would go to see if he's trustworthy enough. Yes. To join Tenet. Do you know about the Seder Stone? Because I'll no. explain that What's to that? you guys. Tell us all about that. Apparently, I did not understand. I still don't understand this movie. Well, I mean, it doesn't really have anything. I mean, I'm sure it does have something to do with the story. But um, all of the things, there's this this mystical, supposedly, stone. It's a real thing. It was discovered, I don't know how many years ago, but it's basically dates back to, like, they think ancient Greece. And all it is is it's a tablet, and it has the words Sator. Arepo, Tenant, and then um, a couple of other things. But basically all the, the words that are used in oh. the movie are on that stone. And actually Arepo backwards spells opera. So that's oh, why wow. the opening takes oh, wow. place in an opera. 
And Kenneth Branagh's name is Sater. Is Sater, right, right. yes, okay. yes. And and the the guy who made the fake painting is Arepo. Right. So he, oh. he uses all of those and tenant is the word that's in the middle because it's a palindrome. But like the the way this stone is laid out, it's like the words are going horizontally and vertically, like a crossword puzzle, but it's like the you know what I mean? They they work going all each way. That's more like a screenwriter thing. That's right. But it's not necessarily would work its way into the plot. It's just kind of an interesting inspiration that he drew from. Okay. Yes, it's not actually in the plot. This stone does not figure into the plot. So don't get worried if you're like, I missed this stone. <laughs> What's the significance of the stone in real life, historically? They think it has magical abilities because apparently like demons will be confused by the circular nature huh. of the words. Okay. I mean, nobody really knows for sure what its purpose was. It's just one of those things where it's like, what was this? But right. that's where he sort of drew a lot of the inspiration for these names. And it makes sort of sense in the the idea of like a lot of this movie is sort of structured to, to function like a palindrome. I don't really think that it does technically but it kind of does and you and when you watch it a few times you're like oh okay like it is kind of going back to the beginning like in the end that whole big battle is actually taking place on the exact same day as that opera house siege yeah i was thought i thought they were going to go back to okay. the opera and that was a little That's bit disappointed what I thought that, too. That, that, that that never happened but i guess it's fine i mean i see why he did it because it's like you don't want to just he he gives you that middle section where it's kind of going backwards through the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you reach the middle of the movie when they're on the boat. Well, the, you reach the middle of the movie, and then he, um, the protagonist, goes through the turnstile, and then it starts going like now he's working his way backwards through the movie. It kind of brings you back to the you know Freeport scene again, but it's not exactly. Right. It's not a scene for scene thing, but it yeah. is chronologically. So the name tenant used in the film, is it supposed to be the name of a cabal or is it assigned specifically it's to- It's a secret organization that is okay. is dealing specifically with these inverted elements, these artifacts that they're finding and, and weapons and things that are treated in so that they're inverted. They are now, what do you call it? They're, you know, they're not literally going back in time, but they're-, uh, they're Entropy you, is reversed entropy. or whatever. Right. The entropy is so reversed. They're just the good guys from the future, right? I mean, whoever started it, basically the protagonist did, right? Which is funny when you get to the end of the movie, you find out that the protagonist is the guy that has been doing He's actually the one who's been doing it the whole time. Right. So this whole test in the beginning was a test he was giving himself, I guess. So because it, it was Tenet, the protagonist, that found Robert Pattinson and-, and yes recruited him and everything right yeah so and we'll talk fan theories about robert pattinson so the fate of the world is involved with this algorithm and the guy left it in coat check like what (laughs) (laughs) is that really the most secure place to put the thing that's you know gonna destroy was it the whole thing or a part it was a part of the missing the ninth part which is very important and why was he bringing it to the opera uh, yeah, I'm like, whatever, I guess you, the least likely place you'd think, oh, I just left it in code check. But, you know, on on review, you're like, I'm like, that's a little bit crazy. Well, but, you know, I think that it's all explained when um, our protagonist gets enlisted into Tenet and goes to sort of learn about what's going on with all this stuff. And the, that woman 
teaches him all about entropy where you, yes. you know, you have to, which never plays into the movie, but it's like, you have to touch something before it can then reverse into your hands or whatever. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then she's like, don't think about it. <laughs> yes. You've just got to feel they, it. Okay. That is a key line. They used that a lot in this film. Right. And it, it, I think it was a, it was talking to the audience. Of course. Yes, it was definitely. Like the minute you're trying to figure it out too much, some, a character in the movie is telling you, just stop. Yeah. It's just shut off your brain. Her point is, you, you know, you're not pulling the, the thing into your hand. You're reverse dropping it, which is a different. You're not using the force. You're in time dropping it backwards, which is. It. Yeah, exactly. So. But you never actually see that happen again. You know what I mean? Like throughout right. the rest of the movie, it's like bullets just go back into guns. Things just, you know what I mean? Like you don't see the bullet yeah. go out of the gun and then back into the gun. The way they set it up in that scene is a little confusing because they have him drop the bullet and then the bullet comes back into his hand. Right. But I, I struggle a little bit then because then it's like, well, no, you just feel it. And then things just go zipping back. Into yeah, the they, that was almost a, a thread that they dropped with the whole like, I have this instinct, huh? And then Sadar says, I haven't always had an instinct for the future events. And so I was like, oh, are certain people keyed into the entropy of different things and can sense yeah. when something needs to go backwards into their hand or whatever? But um, I also want to ask, is she the she must be the scientist that kills herself, right? That they they talk about later. Yeah, because they're it's a woman, and so maybe that's her because she invented yeah. the whole thing and then killed herself. I think you might be right. It's never definitively said either way. Okay. So, I mean, that's kind of who I was picturing in my head when they yeah. they bring that up later, but they don't say definitive. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like this where things are left kind of like, ooh, well, is that this or is that that? I mean, you're supposed to. I think you're supposed to be asking questions, obviously. Right. Now, we should probably talk about the the elephant in the room and that is the sound mix. This yes. is this is the thing that and it it it's a problem or 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 not, but it, I mean it's apparent right away because the whole first sequence everybody's wearing gas masks and like yeah. really important pieces of oh, dialogue yeah. are being delivered through muffled gas masks and it's almost I mean you have to think that it's Kind of like Christopher Nolan being like, oh, you complained about Bane? Like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> I'm going to make it really hard. I remember before you were even before you even saw the the movie, Sebastian, you were saying, I'm going to struggle to try to hear the dialogue in this film. So yeah. this is is this something that I can't remember other Christopher Nolan movies? Are they always? Oh, like yeah. This? Dunkirk okay. was very hard to understand when they were in their fighter planes. Like he's always. Yeah. He always errs on the side of like, well, they'll get it or they won't, which is very odd in a movie where the dialogue is so important. There's so much yeah. exposition to deliver. Yeah, I, I really admire Nolan that he he pushes the audience, you know, like I, I heard yeah. him speak once and he said, I'm in a unique position and I'm always going to make a movie that, you know, pushes the audience to, to really, you know, meet him halfway. And I think that's great. You know, it's like yeah. they're always original. He's pushing. Well, other than the Dark Knight, he's always pushing you to like, you know, meet him halfway, bring your brain to the whole thing. But you could make the dialogue easier to understand. That's kind of, you know, sound mix 101. And I'm, I'm not quite sure why he doesn't just bring it up in the mix, you know, maybe he feels it's unrealistic yeah. or what. But I. 
Well, it's it's frustrating. I think you're totally right, but it's a weird hill to die on. You know what I mean? Like, mm. that's a strange thing to pick to be like, I'm not going to compromise in my muffled dialogue scenes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I understand making things difficult and I understand wanting to challenge your audience, but do you want to challenge like their hearing? You know, like yeah. that's that's not really in challenging their mind. I mean, unless you think, well, if they really have to listen for the dialogue, then they'll They'll buy the Blu-ray and watch it with yeah. subtitles. <laughs> that's oh his... well. Let's let's also have Seb fess up that his second viewing, you you watched it with the subtitles. Oh hell right? yeah! Oh yeah, my <laughs> second and third, I put on the subtitles. It's awesome. Really, it's so much better. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy that you have to do that. No, but I I caught so much more. I just did it today when I when I put this on and put on the subtitles. And you're you're absolutely right. Like it it gives you the the missing layer of the film that you need. Yeah. And I thought I, I thought I was hearing, or tr you know, I tried as hard as I could, and I thought I grasped what they were saying, but I never really did until I put on the. Subtitle. There's a couple of things in this movie that you don't understand unless you you catch like one or two tiny little words. Like there's some things yeah. like I had no idea until. Like I saw it a couple times because even if you are watching with subtitles, you might like just not be paying full attention at that moment or whatever. And like shit gets dropped in this movie that it goes right by like really fast. Mm -hmm. My recommendation yeah, for, sure. for watching Tenant is you watch it one time just to let it wash over you and don't even try to understand it. Just uh, accept that you're not going to understand everything and just like live in the experience then watch it again with subtitles and even headphones if you've got yeah. them. Yeah. Because I think that helps. It's kind of like a song. Like, you don't need to know the lyrics to enjoy a song the first time. But then, you know, once you've heard it a few times, you're like, oh, what are they saying? And then, you know, you can kind of get a deeper appreciation of what the artist was going for. Right. And then you watch it a third time and it kind of starts to gel. You actually start to really kind of understand why everything is sort of happening the way it is much better. I mean, like there are still details and things that are fuzzy even after I've seen it three times, but it definitely, yeah. it comes way into focus if you, if you Which watch it. Which I'll say it's, I'm actually really happy to have a film. It, it's nice to have a film that you kind of are required to watch in repeated viewings. Yeah. Like it's, it's rare that that happens if you can get into it. Yeah. But I could see how it's that, is not for everybody. Right. And if this isn't your type of movie, if you're not into sort of spy movies or sci-fi time travel mind benders, then you're just not going to be on board with the movie. But if you're not, you know, if you're not going to be on the board with the movie, then why bother with it anyway? Like you're going to know if you're, you're going to be into this sort of thing. Yeah. yeah I'm just, I get more surprised when I hear people who like Christopher Nolan movies hating this movie, because I feel that it fits very very comfortably into his filmography. Oh yeah. I, sure. I like it a lot better than some of his more recent movies, but that's just me. Now, what did you guys think of John David Washington as the protagonist? He was an actor I wasn't really aware of. I only had seen black Klansmen. So to see him in this, I was, it was kind of interesting that this guy, you know, had gotten this big part in this giant movie. I was a little on the fence about it. I, I couldn't, uh, I have to admit, I couldn't get through Black Klansmen. Whoa. Are you racist? <laughs> Black Klansmen's a great That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I, that. Maybe I was just, it could have been a number. Of, maybe I was just tired. I think it's night. a great But movie, I thought he yeah. was great. I thought he was really good in Black Klansmen. In this, 
what you saw of it. Yeah, what I saw of it, he was <laughs> he was great in Black Klansman. Um, but I feel like in this, he was kind of, I liked it, um, but I felt like there were moments when, I don't know if it was a style choice or something, but he seemed a little too chill. Yeah. But I think that was intentional. So I don't think that had anything to do really with his performance. It may have just been his character. Yeah, I think he was great. I think he added a, a different flavor to this whole, you know, white European movie and just having him sure, be there yeah. and deliver some of those lines with that extra, you know, swagger and sauce. And yeah. I feel like he's a, he was a running back um, previously to being an actor. So And he's also got that bulk where you can believe him, like, kicking some guy's asses, whereas, like, you know, like... DiCaprio in Inception or whatever, you're just like, are these skinny white guys really kicking people's asses? Like, whereas David Washington, I'm like, yes, like he could kick some ass. Well, and also, uh, I'll just add like to his sort of lax attitude, but that is kind of a, a James Bond yeah. thing as well. And this is pretty much a, a James Bond mm -hmm. style action thriller. It's like a sci-fi James Bond. So I, maybe that is part of the the character to kind of have this suave demeanor about well, it. everyone's chill in these movies i feel like no one's like, super crazy and excited and i mean i guess the villain is a little bit but uh tom cruise is always crazy yeah but i'm movies, saying so. in this movie i feel like everyone's kind of at that kubrick cold level yeah like, no one's like bouncing yeah. off the walls being like, <laughs> like well not only that but they're talking about like killing each other and they're kind of like <laughs> right like, i mean there's, yeah. a, there's yeah. like a couple of scenes where they're like <laughs> Where like Robert Pattons is like, so you're gonna shoot me, right? And John David Washington's yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'll probably have to or whatever. Yeah, like, exactly. And they're like, ha, ha, well, I'd rather it came from you. Like, thanks, pal. You know what I mean? Like, they're and they're talking about literally killing each other. But um, my feeling on him is I really, really like him, and I agree 100 percent with what you're saying, Chris, that he added this kind of cool new flavor. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about um a black actor taking over for James Bond. And, um, you know, I feel like Christopher Nolan kind of beat everybody to the punch because That's I think true. he, he kind of gave us a black James Bond before James Bond could do it. Um, I really like him. I will say this, and, and Troy, I think this speaks a little bit to what you're saying about him. And I've heard other people say this. This isn't an original thought, but he doesn't have, um, and this may just because he be because he hasn't been acting very long. He's got a great presence. He's got a great physical presence. I think he delivers his lines good. I think he is actually really good with humor. He doesn't have that thing where you can see shit going on behind his eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's. I think that's what it what it was. You're you're actually describing it better than I could do. And I think that's what I was kind of getting at. There's not a lot of times there doesn't see that seem to be that kind of urgency or anguish mm -hmm. in, in some of It's just things. that there you don't feel an inner life going on behind his eyes. You feel like he's a, a guy who's in the moment or whatever. One of the things that Daniel Craig does so effectively is like Daniel Craig can say nothing and you can just look at his face and you're like, oh, you know, it's going through Daniel Craig's mind. That's, you know that's I mean? partly like, the, the director's yeah. fault, too, though. I mean, they, someone needed to direct him to play a little bit more inner turmoil you know, right. I get what you're saying. It's just like he's he's kind of always chill no matter what the situation is. And you don't feel like he's freaked out or working it out in his head. He's always just like, right. I'm going to take care of this. I mean, maybe in a few of the action scenes, like, you know, the where he's got to jump from car to car, you see it. But 
I get what you're saying, though, where he's not, you know, he, he doesn't deliver that sort of internal. It's an in, internal. Yeah, internal thing where like the opposite of Indiana Jones, who's always like, what am I going to do next? Oh, my God. How am I going to yeah. get in this situation? Oh, well, man, Harrison Ford is another one of those actors where you can just where he can not say a single right. word yeah. and just the camera will just in, be in love with his face because of all this stuff he can express. But I think it also, you know, it's not just the action that that he's doing in this film, but but like as the audience is totally confused about what the fuck right. is going on with the entropy and everything, yeah. he's just kind of like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just sort of like... Fair enough. He's, yeah. They're explaining all this stuff to him, and he's like, so what's that do? And he just kind of like, he picks up the bullet, and he's like, cool. Yeah. You know, and it's there, you never... I just wanted I just wanted him to be like, just to like grab his head and, and just be like, I'm too confused. I can't... I just wanted some of that emotion from him. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're a balance of like I think it would have been fine. I mean, I still think it's fine. I th- I really like watching him. I think he's like handsome and magnetic. I think there could have been a little more from him just in terms of feeling like there were some he could have been totally stone-faced and cool outwardly, but if I could just see in his eyes like I'm freaked out. You know what right. I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. just that that thing that some actors can do where they can show you very little, but they can have your their face say one thing, but their eyes say another. And I think he's not quite up to that level yet as an actor. I think he could get there and I think he could be really uh, magnetic. You, you really see that in the scenes where he and Robert Pattinson are, are side by side. Right, because Pattinson can and do Robert it. Patton, he just looks like he's sweating yeah. and he's just like struggling and yeah. and John David Washington doesn't seem to be doing that as much. Yeah, Pattinson can really pull it off. Like you can, he he really I mean he kind of walks away with a movie I think in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. Well, and also Pattinson's character has been through way more when you first meet him. I feel like that's the point of seeing him so ragged at the beginning, right? Is like that yeah. he's been through their whole relationship at that point. Um, and I will also make a side note that multiple people after watching the uh the car chase scene Ladies especially were like, Robert Pattinson looked pretty good driving that car. He could have, you know, replaced <laughs> Ryan Gosling in Drive and did a fine, fine job. And I'm like, I oh, yeah. see it. I see it when he's driving that car and he's got those gloves on and he's like checking out where everything is in the rearview mirror. You're like, I, that would have been a good drive as well. He'll look good in the Batmobile. Yeah. What did you guys think of um, Elizabeth Debicki as sort of the female lead? Cat or Catherine. Her stature just freaked me out. She is so friggin' tall. Her neck, her neck looked like it had been stretched. Yeah. I feel and like I was worried she was like going to be cut out of the top of the frame. So she's many a times. she's a Navi that's been like painted white. I bet if you just grab her skin, there's probably blue underneath <laughs> there, and you're like, no, you're just a, a Navi. Like apparently she was a ballerina but was too tall oh, I'm sure. to to perform and so she went into acting that makes sense cuz i mean ballet dancers aren't typically large people so it would be yeah. really hard for her to pair with people but aside from aside from her physical appearance she was uh, stellar yeah, yeah. She's I, a great I actor loved her in this she's amazing she's a really really good actor i did appreciate in the car scene that they actually give the fact that she's so gigantic yes. they it plays into the scene with yeah, her like opening her the car door with her with her toes and stuff but yeah no I, I really like her i mean i do think it's a bit of a thankless role and i do feel like it's kind of like are we supposed to feel like they've got some kind of romantic inclination towards yeah, each other subtextually there's a little bit of spark there i think like it just seems that a lot of stuff happens in this movie because 
John David Washington, the protagonist is like, I got to help her or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, it's, I think one of the film's flaws is that I don't really ever buy that there's much of a relationship there. I mean, you know, in the beginning, he's just kind of trying to use her to get to Seder, Kenneth Branagh. But, you know, it's like, it sort of just sort of happens that he starts to care about her. And I mean, this is sort of true in a lot of, you know, spy movies that these sort of dynamics happen. But they make a big point of that. John David Washington is is has a strong moral compass because even when they're doing like, you know, the the airplane job, he's like, wait, are people going to get hurt? Are the pilots? And they're like, no, they'll just jump off. And so, like, I feel like that was kind of supposedly the through line is that he's very just and worried about everyone's lives. And my biggest issue with her character was just it feels similar to the whole plot of Inception where Leonardo DiCaprio has to get home to see his kids. And you just yeah. go, why don't his kids just tr- move to Paris and then everything will yeah. be fine? You know, like you don't have to do this. Whereas, oh, she's under this guy's thumb because she sold him a painting that she verified as real. But you it's want fake. me to like, explain this to you? Because I, 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 I know, yeah, I know what's going on. It doesn't make any sense I, to me. I don't like. So what if she did that? I like, agree, Chris. This was it was a bit of a fatal flaw it seemed for me really dumb to get on board with that. Yeah, yeah. And all you have to say is, you know, who's, who's to hold her accountable if he ever came back and said, this painting is fake and was verified. Well, no one was tracking the painting. He could have just switched out for a fake and said, look, this is the fake painting. Unless there's some kind of Sotheby's attachment to it, that it's sealed in a frame. I don't, all you have to do is just have him have hold over the sun and that makes sense. I feel like he could he could just hold the sun over her instead of this painting. I have some possible answers for you. I mean, I don't think this is going to 100% satisfy you, Chris. But what the deal is, is she worked with this guy, Arepo, right. to make a fake Goya. Right. Two of them. And she knew. She knew. Okay. And she sold it to her husband for $9 million. Uh-huh. Because she was going to take $9 million and leave him. She was going to take that money to leave him and take oh, the son. Okay. But he figured it out and he kept it. He kept the painting right. and he kept keeps it in that free port. And that's his blackmail over her so that she won't leave so him. So she could go to jail. Is it she could be imprisoned? She can go if he... to prison, but why for verifying? Like, oh, I'm not good at my job. You don't go to prison for that. What? I don't know. She forged it. She She conspired to forge it. The evidence is flimsy at best, and he doesn't like. He's gonna send her to the police. Like, uh, I don't know if that. I think it's more just that, like, she owes him nine million dollars. <laughs> you know, like. All right, but also art art forgery is is a crime. So, you know, if it makes a sale, if you try to sell it off as as the original then regardless of what he's going to do with it it's blackmail he's using okay. it as blackmail see i didn't catch that i thought that she i thought she bought it to, for him as a gift and did not know that it was a forged that's how she painting. framed it no she knew it was forged. okay and he killed the guy that forged it right i get that she's it's a it's an attack at him but i just don't buy the fact that you know who's he going to bring this up to like the you know the police and then what's 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 the 
connect what he got sold to what he's presenting to the police at that time. He could make another. Wait, did you just say she had Arepo killed? No, no, he did. He did. Like, and I think it's implied that she and this Arepo were, were involved, lovers yeah, or whatever. Yeah. They were, they okay. were, there was, a, this was like their lover's plan to get her out of the relationship. That makes sense to get $9 million. Like that could from be its him. own movie. Right. I just don't, I don't buy the blackmail over her with, with the painting. Right. Okay. Whatever. That's fine. Yeah. This is another like, like flaw of some of Christopher Nolan's like writing. I feel like is like, just like an in inception where it's like, I've got to put some kind of family element where like someone's got to like save their son. And it seems to be like the crux of, of the story, but I feel like Nolan really doesn't care. Like he's just putting it in there because he knows he has to, because yeah. in order for people to care about this, I have to create this plot device about a son or about some kids and he doesn't really give a shit about it. What he gives a shit about is the time travel. And so it, yeah. it's it always suffers. And so I feel like her character suffers. And so does the actor by given this sort of like not so thought out role. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's it's a similar, like you pointed out, it's a very similar flaw that's in Inception. I feel like he way overcompensates in Interstellar where he tries to make that the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Interstellar remains my my kind of least favorite. It works for role. people who like Anne Hathaway. I loved Interstellar. I'm, I'm one of those that... that was- wasn't that bad you sentimental uh, you oh you know what troy has kids so maybe that's the difference you have a child maybe that's the difference maybe that's why you connect it to inner oh no i don't give a shit about that i just like the the side give a shit about his kids okay (laughs) so i mean she's got a so the whole setup to get into this free port which i really love the free port because i didn't realize these things were real things these places in airports where um, people who have bought really expensive artwork but don't want to pay for the taxes on it, they can keep it as an investment and they can go look at it or whatever. Actually, there was a there was a lot of cool stuff in this movie about the upper class, yeah. like the secret world of the upper class, yeah. which was kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. And even down to like, you know, when the CIA got John Washington a suit. And then, you know, they immediately were like, no, no, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, your Brooks Brothers suit or whatever. But that's not what billionaires wear. Yeah, it's wear. Michael Caine delivering that. His one scene in the movie where he basically tells him that he needs to, for lack of a better word, seduce Cat, you know, make contact with her and figure out an a- an in. He is wearing a really nice suit, but then Michael Caine's like, no, 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 no. You need to get a better suit. And uh, John David Washington says like, well, you know, the British don't have a a monopoly on snobbery. <laughs> and Michael Caine says, more like a vested interest or something like that. It's a good line. Yeah. In any James Bond movie, you part of the thing that you watch it for, it's like almost like the superhero costume, you know, the, the nice suits. Yeah. And I think the suits in this look great. And it's funny because in that scene, he comes in, he's wearing a Brooks Brothers suit and it's a really nice suit. But then his suits later on are like way better. <laughs> like yeah. they are, you you do notice like, oh no, that's a much better suit. Like when they go to the Freeport, um, Robert Pattinson and, and John David Washington, they're both wearing these really nice suits. Now, do you guys understand what's going on at the Freeport? Do you need help with that? No, no. I definitely understand everything about the Freeport after the third viewing. Yeah. Now, the reason ostensibly he's going there is because he's supposed to go in and steal the Goya so that uh, Seder no longer has 
that leverage over Cat. But he also knows that there's this mysterious space and it's set up in a, the, the Freeport is set up like a Pentagon. And he knows that there's something in the center of the Pentagon. I do have a question. Sure. Yeah. So what's your question? <laughs> I understand that the turnstile can invert objects and that objects from the future are being sent back. Okay. Yeah. I don't fully understand. How that. did they make the turnstile? Because they totally said that hasn't been invented yet. Is there a turnstile that'll, that the turnstile can go through? Like how did that? Well, and like, how do they, okay. But if, if you're going to go down that road, how are the boats going backwards? Do they put like a whole boat? No, no, that's just, that's just what we're seeing. They, those right. characters okay. are inverted, but the boat isn't inverted. Right. We're okay. just traveling back through time with those characters. Yes, because I feel like yeah, you're right. As of, as if the whole thing was got inverted. But but the the point of the turnstile was that it's ahead of its or it's ahead of its before its time. Like it shouldn't exist in our time. And so how did it get? Yeah, it it was a bit of a jump. It was a bit of a jump to go from you know when he's talking to this scientist in this room and she's like got a couple of yeah. bullets and they're like, well, we're finding right. these objects from the future. But right behind us, we've got like a boat full of these turnstiles. Yeah. We've got a couple more of these turnstiles right. over in this spot and over yeah. here. I'm not nit- I'm nitpicking, you know, it's fine. But like, you know, if I if I am to nitpick, this is one of my questions. I What I think we're to take away is that sometime in the future, they're going to figure out this stuff and then it's being sent back. So, I mean, I understand we're not given a satisfying explanation as to how they work. But the idea is that we can't know how they work. Yet. Right. You know, they're supposed to be going there to get this painting, but then they find this turnstile in the middle of the freeport. And at the same time, they're doing to get into this area, they're pulling off this crazy on the ground plane crash into the freeport. So that'll set off this crazy alarm system where that basically sucks all the air out of the room. So they've got to go from the room to room, like trying to breathe. There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie that isn't, I think, as visually interesting as Christopher Nolan thinks it is or would be. (laughs) You know, the guys running around from room to room holding their breath is kind of like only so cinematically compelling. You know what I mean? Because all they're doing is like going (gasps) and then running to another room and you're like, well... Robert Pattinson was visually like right. he he looked like he was really holding his breath. Uh, John Washington looked like he was a, a little chill. Holding There's his a breath. scene in um, Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation where Tom Cruise goes into this underwater crit pool with this crazy spinning thing, and he's holding yeah. his breath the whole time. And you are like, "Oh my god!" Like you can't breathe because you're just you. He's holding his breath. He's in water, so there's a visualization of the thing that you you know can't breathe in. And this is just like they're just not breathing in air, and that's not. You don't feel the suspense of that. I feel like it's supposed to be a minor sort of, you know, barrier for them to get through. It's 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 a, it's a heist movie and they just added a little bit of something and right around the sure. corner is this plane crash which is plenty of visual Well, the plane crash is amazing. That was a yeah, real so, plane yeah. and that was something that that he was hell bent right. on doing. Yeah. Like they tried apparently to make him do that with visual effects. And he was like, there's no way that we're going to get a real plane. We're going to blow this thing yeah. up. They take the plane and they ram it into the Freeport. And, and yeah, these, they hire these guys to basically act as terrorists. And, you know, they, there's all these gold bars on the plane. I never fully tracked the whole gold bar things because it kind of comes back later 
with Seder. Yeah, I was wondering if that one guy who stole the one gold bar was going to get in trouble or show up later. But I'm not sure if that's... He's not the same guy that gets beaten to death with it, right? Um, I don't think so, because that gold is inverted. Why was the gold inverted? I didn't realize this either. I missed that. They didn't really explain it. Um, You know the gold bar... What does inverted gold do? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's just the... I. No, I know. What what is like inverted gold not depreciate or something? Like what why would you invert gold? I think it's just the idea that he sent it back in time. To himself, like it wasn't right, that it was or... supposed to do anything. It's oh. that it's coming back in time so that he can use it. It's coming from the future. That's all. Yeah. But the plane crash thing is amazing and visually to look at it's spectacular, especially in this sort of expanded IMAX frame. Yeah. But what I'm talking about Visually, when I say things aren't as impressive as they're meant to be, I love the idea of inversion, but sometimes the whole backwards thing doesn't really look that great. I know what you mean. You know what I mean? It's not you. You think you're going to be completely blown away, but there's like there's and there's some moments where it's when it's cool for sure. But like, it's not like Inception where the city starts folding in on itself and you're like, oh, my God, you know. I I definitely was feeling that when I when I saw this for the first time in and I was thinking that too it was like the the idea is so cool in this movie but it's not going to have the payoff that like inception. Right. I think what the payoff is it's not a payoff that directly happens when you're watching it. You're not like, "Oh, that's so cool." I think the payoff is after the movie when you've watched so many people go forwards and backwards in the same frame and then you you look at your own wife walking and you're like, is she just going to start going backwards out of nowhere? And I feel like there's, there is that it, <laughs> it turns your brain into that like sort of weird, like hamster wheel has one of them running backwards. And I feel like that is the effect in the end that he's going for is, is you start thinking like that. I feel like the, the, what you were talking about Seb, where, you know, there was the, the Freeport scene and they were holding their breath and you didn't quite feel that, the suspense for that wasn't like a visceral feeling, but I did get that when John Washington inverted himself to try to go back into the car and chase. Then I felt like I was there. And then um, he had to figure out how to walk yeah. and get in the car and figure out how to steer. That was when I, I actually was invested yeah. in that, in the invertedness of, of, that character. How did you feel about that first sort of inverted fight scene that we're going to see then replayed again from the other side? The the first they're in the Freeport and this person comes out wearing a gas mask and like riot gear so you can't see their face and um John David Washington gets into a fight with this character and it's he, the character is moving backwards but John David Washington is moving forward. Did that work for you on a visual level was that that totally worked because it was subtle enough at that moment in the film where the some of the maneuvers from the guy in the gas mask who we know is is himself later on but it was subtle enough that it was just a little uncanny or kind of weird like when he did that scoot on the floor that was kind of like with his the backward scoot with his legs as he was lying down and he kind of moved in the opposite direction he was supposed to because we're still going to get more of that later on and start learning how that works it was just subtle enough my reactions is is was different you know like the first time i saw it i remember just being like 
what is even happening and not even tracking anything yeah. and it's fun, but you're almost like just kind of confused to the point of like almost not caring. But then the, on subsequent viewings, it gets even better and better when he like remembers what he did and you can see he's blocking yeah. his own moves and all the jumps are backwards and you, uh, you finally put it, put it together in your mind and it's great. It's, it's well worth watching and you get to see it twice in the movie. So, you know, it, it definitely pays off. I think on a first viewing, because you're sort of primed for this action movie experience, it's not as quite as like dazzling as you might be hoping it right. should be. Like, it's not like that first fight in the Matrix or right. anything where you're like, oh my God, what are they doing? Yeah, you get it immediately. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. to your point, I think you're right. I think it's the kind of thing that works better the more you watch the movie. I think when we come back to that scene, Later on, I actually think it works even better when you're with him yeah. going the other way. I think in a different director's hands, it could have ended up being way Star Wars-y, you know, like like guns mm -hmm. flying right into your hand at the right moment and then coming back. And I feel like Michael Bay or somebody would have like used it a bunch of tricks over and over and over again. And yeah. but yeah. Nolan doesn't do that. You know, everything kind of makes sense. And he doesn't use like the same trick over and over and over again, which is cool. Well, and he also doesn't use CG to really enhance it. I mean, right. I think mo almost all of this was done in camera. Mm -hmm. Did either of you guys watch the, the the documentary that was on the disc? For yeah. Yeah, they cover they cover that. I mean, it's pretty exhaustive, the, the documentary for everything. I actually kind of had to kind of skim through a lot of it, but they were covering that how they did the effect and it is just exactly what you think it's like one actor would kind of learn how to do like a backwards hit uh -huh. and then they would have that actor do backwards and then the other actor do the forwards and then they'd reverse the film and that was pretty much the extent of it hmm. it's just a few you know a few trick moves yeah to make it look like learn how to walk backwards and then play it forwards so right. it just looks a little odd yeah 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 and it, and it, you're right there's no there wasn't really any cg it was just a, enough of that to make it look a little and strange and they also kept saying that they didn't want to use the same trick over and over again so like if they did use cg in one yeah. shot they, like the next shot would be just straight backwards or live action or whatever like they 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 made a point to not use the same trick over and over again. Now, did you guys get that it was he was fighting himself uh, right off the bat, like when that scene started? Y no. Yeah, I, I had a sus. I, I suspected didn't. it, especially after the mask when Robert Pattinson had that sort right. of weird look in his eyes after catching the other one. You're like, mm, something. It's probably him. Like, I wish I could say I called that right away, but I didn't. And it actually, I mean, I think I was just giving myself over to the movie and not trying to figure it out. Yeah. But I like, I honestly was like, when it turned out that it was him later, I was like, Oh duh, of course it was him. Like, why didn't I, <laughs> why didn't I think that? But I, right. I think I just wasn't the even person trying. Whose face you, you never see right. in the shot. And like Chris says, it ends with Robert Pattinson being like, Oh my God. It's like, who else would it be? You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, but still, it's still a pretty great scene. Now, how did you guys feel about Kenneth Branagh as our villain? I did not know that was him you at didn't? first. <laughs> okay. No, he was he totally sold that character. Yeah, I agree. I think it could have been so easily turned cartoonish that he did a really good job of like grounding it and making him believable and like a real human being. He was definitely nasty, which I haven't yeah. seen Kenneth Branagh be this much of a misogynistic dickhead before so i you know i was impressed he had it in him but i thought he was scary yeah I th that sort of um slow yeah the mafia kind of Don, stoic yeah. yeah yeah he was threatening 
at one point he compares himself to a tiger and i felt like that was a really uh, appropriate self uh, description you know he's like you the tie you messed with a tiger and then it springs at you or whatever and it was like i really kind of felt that in his performance and i felt like he kind of looked like a like caged tiger a lot of the times yeah. and he didn't do anything like over the top with it either you know he didn't wear a bunch of dark sunglasses or give himself a scar he was just like eh, it's still kenneth Branagh, yeah, it and it's it's his sort of acting you know it's the way he carried himself that really provides the menace so i thought it was all great there's this movie that nobody saw like five years ago called uh, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit where Chris Pine plays Jack Ryan and Kenneth Branagh played the villain in that. And he played a Russian villain. It's ah. like almost the exact same <laughs> performance, really? but nobody saw that ah, movie. Okay. And like Christopher Nolan was like, just like, hey, can you just do that? But in my movie and we'll make it good. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of his character, did you guys get what was going on with his character, like the basic overarching idea. Again, like on the first viewing, kind of, but uh, it. I think, I'm trying to think, the, when they when he explained his whole role in, in finding the inverted, you know, we found that thing, uh, okay, well, goes back to like his hometown, he's explaining how there was this accident, like a nuclear accident, and, and yeah. nobody wanted to go clean it up and he volunteered because it's like he was poor and he grew up in that area yeah and he so he stumbled upon this by accident right he basically stumbled upon a time capsule it was a time capsule but it was like a payment to somebody or something was it from himself yeah yes yeah it's from himself to him yeah so i took me the second time to get that so okay so it was a payment to himself with a note in it Yes. Describing what he was going to do. Okay. Right. And he doesn't, the thing that makes that a little bit confusing is you don't get that from his dialogue when he's talking about it. He doesn't reveal that in the dialogue, but you see it in the visual that there's a note and it's basically from himself. He doesn't say, I sent myself something through time. He just tells you this happened and that's how he yeah. became. So the first viewing, no, I was totally at a loss as to anything that was happening in there. I got enough of it to understand that he had become a part of whatever this was through that thing, whatever that was in the, the time capsule or the capsule. Yeah. But then that's about as much. I just loosely kind of picked it up. And so did you get what was going to sort of happen when this algorithm, and we can talk about the algorithm because it's pretty confusing. No, the algorithm made no sense to me at all. In the first <laughs> viewing, first viewing. So if they were to reverse the flow of time and mm-hmm. everything in the universe flowed the other way, wouldn't it just be like time was flowing all in the same direction? Uh, granted, in however billion, millions of years, you know, we'll go into the Big Bang and reverse into that and we'll all die. But if everything is entropy the other way, it would probably just be like normal, normal life. Like, except running backwards? I I don't know. I guess that's why they say everything could explode or be just fine. But I I think that was the general idea, whether this is just, it's completely loose, fuzzy logic. Mm -hmm. But the idea was that it would create like a Big Bang Mm -hmm. event if they reversed everything. Yeah. It would and it would not only wipe out everything that was, it would wipe out everything that ever was. So, yeah. I mean that's the thing about it that I like. 
It's not just you're blowing up the world. You're blowing up the world going back in time. Right, right. So you're erasing right. all of history, the complete history of the planet. Yeah, it's like a godlike nihilistic event. Yeah, but they yeah. had a thing where, oh, like the future thinks that the only way they can survive is to go backwards. And it almost felt like they were trying to say that, oh, we can just, we have to travel backwards so we can relive the good times because everything going forward sucks. Yeah, and that's that's definitely there. Yeah, that's another concept that's like thrown on top of there. But like, yeah, I, the other part that I don't really get about his whole plan is this whole like, oh, if I die and this thing detects that I'm dead, I'm gonna send an email burst about where the I'm gonna spam email this thing. I'm like, whoa, that's yeah. the danger thing. What? Yeah, that still <laughs> like, doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, like, to how me. is that gonna ruin the world? There's like, a lot going on in the end that I don't understand. Yeah, I haven't quite cracked the end nut. I feel like once it gets the last yeah. twenty minutes, I'm still fuzzy. Yeah, no, and and we'll talk about it. But let's just talk about a few more other things before sure. we kind of get there. So okay, so we get to the protagonist like wins his way into dealing with Seder. I mean, because Seder thinks he's basically screwing his wife and wants to kill him. There's a couple of pretty good scenes. I, I mean, the scene where the fight in the kitchen, I think, is great. I think that John David Washington really shows yeah. what a good physical actor he is. He takes the cheese grater and he hits Oof. that dude. Yeah, that's so awesome. Pretty great. I love that. And then there's the scene where they're on these like cat, these super catamarans. It looked like Star Wars. It was ridiculous. <laughs> oh my god! And that was like, kind of a unnecessary scene. To, I didn't really understand why. That's just a James Bond. Look at okay. this beautiful location and look at this cool fucking boat. It yeah. was just yeah. It was like look at the latest technology in in boats. Yeah. When I first saw it, I didn't really understand what was going on with these catamarans. They're these super high-tech catamarans that have these, like, big fins, and they go super fast. And they're in this gorgeous, like, seafront that's in um, near Pompeii, Italy, I guess. Amazing. Yeah. Just a, one of the most amazing locations. And in IMAX, it just looks so friggin' cool. You have to like run across the catamaran to like turn it around. Did you guys get yeah, that? Yeah, I only on this one where they jumped. Once they elevated, they had yeah. to jump to the other. Uh, Isn't that how all catamarans work? I thought you had to do. But that these anyways. are so fast that they have they have to be hooked into these harness like they're yeah. mountain climbing. So they like run from one end to the other. So Elizabeth Debicki thinks she's going to be able to kill her husband by pushing him off the catamaran and John David Washington jumps in to save Sater, basically winning his trust so that now this gets a little confusing to me. Like he knows where there's some plutonium, but he needs Kenneth Branagh's help to get the plutonium. Am I understanding that correctly? I think that's <laughs> the ploy that he's saying is that he, he knows when there's going to be this convoy, a shipment is coming in and yeah, I feel like, yeah, he's got a piece of the puzzle, but he needs... Uh, he needs, I think he needs Sater's men. Kenneth Branagh to do the rest. Yeah, I'm not sure what exactly the ploy there is. I'm definitely confused about that. It's not, like, Sater is an arms dealer, but it's not his plutonium. It's this shipment of plutonium that's, but but it's set up by the Indian woman. The the uh, right. Her name is... Um, Priya. Priya. Yeah, Priya is this figure, the sort of authority figure that we keep coming back to throughout the movie. She is an arms dealer, but she's also pulling strings, it seems, for Tenet. Like, we're taking her as almost like Tenet's leader, you know, but we don't really know for sure. It's kind of left vague. 
I think she's the one that's actually created this convoy with the supposed plutonium right. in it. I think that and like and John David Washington thinks he's actually stealing plutonium. Right. But what he's really stealing is a piece of the yes, algorithm. Yes, and I think they say that later on that they're like these weapons were kept in the same facilities that you know nuclear weapons were. So basically, everything that we that they mention as plutonium is just basically code for part of the algorithm. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't really catch that, but I'll take okay. your word for it. <laughs> um, Troy, did you understand what was going on here? No, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I this, that that whole convoy. I didn't plutonium. I didn't catch yeah, that's any a of subtitle that. thing okay. because they called it two four one plutonium and then they they shorthand to two four one and I'm like how the fuck is anyone supposed to put that together I don't know you guys I like I said I watched this like I watched this twice and I think the last time I saw it was probably a couple weeks ago and I was gonna come into this podcast thinking like I got it and I have no idea what movie you guys are talking about right now <laughs> it gets a little confusing. But uh, yeah, I, I cracked it today. I think I cracked it today. I don't really understand how the whole... So it's basically a very a scene very similar to the scene in The Dark Knight where Joker and his goons in the truck go after uh, Harvey Dent in the police van. Yeah. Um, but it's way more complicated. Basically, what I think is happening is you've got... Like you've got um, Robert Pattinson and John David Washington in a car, and then you've got all these guys who I think are Satyr's men driving like there's a fire truck and stuff and a couple of other trucks. We've got this vehicle that's got the supposed plutonium in it. It's like kind of just a van, right? Like it's almost like a police van sort of. And then they make a box around the van with all the bad guy trucks. Then John David Washington, dressed as a fireman, climbs up goes into the van, steals the thing with the plutonium, which is really the algorithm, and then jumps into the car with Robert Pattinson, and then they zoom off. So they've got the thing. That's how the heist is working with the convoy. I think when I saw that scene, I I caught that there was the the um, MacGuffin with the plutonium, yeah. but I was so wrapped up in the, the sort of physical aspects of what was happening with yeah. that chase that i just completely forgot like why i was there oh yeah first time i saw it i had no idea what was going on <laughs> like, yeah this is only third viewing i figured it out right and then it, it only afterwards like then later in the movie you you kind of register like okay well he he obtained this device from all that but every time i watch that scene it's just i'm too wrapped up in just the chase itself yeah. to know like why they're doing it but the, for me, what gets confusing is after all of that, then we sort of come into this thing where there's a car coming backwards, like shit starts happening backwards. And this is where this, I cannot make sense still to what's going on in this part of the heist where it's like that he's throwing, John David Washington is like throwing the case with the algorithm across another car, but it's going backwards. And then Kenneth Branagh is showing up and he's going He's in a car that's driving backwards, but it's not going backwards, but he's inverted. I mean, I don't fucking, I get lost in this, this sequence. It's exciting and it's fun, but it's 
totally confusing to me. And like yeah. Kenneth Branagh has like Elizabeth Debicki at gunpoint. And then at one point he gets out of the car and gets into another car and she's left in the car. And that's when she does the thing with her legs to open the door. So John David Washington can jump in and save her. Okay. This was something that again, like later in the movie, only later in the movie, it's when he goes back to try to correct it. Does it make a little bit more sense because he's, I think he's trying to throw it to himself. He does. And if if you watch it, when when he throws when he throws the uh Pelican case the first time, yeah. you actually see the algorithm outside the case, like in his hand. Yeah. And it, so they didn't like it was not even any editing tricks there. You see that he didn't throw right. it if you look right. close enough. But um it definitely is confusing. But while you the first time you're seeing it and they're throwing this yeah. Pelican case across cars like it just makes no sense at all no yeah well robert pattinson says don't give it to him you know i mean there's there's the obvious right. cues there to follow it i think they did a decent job of explaining it like obviously when you see a car driving backwards that thing's inverted or that person is inverted and then with the mass it's even better because you know they give you that sort of hint yeah. and saying all right this person's inverted and you don't you don't really know each time and i'm curious now like when you know he's counting down from three, two, one. He's like, was he counting up or did he know when exactly this thing would happen to him? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think he was counting backwards in his inverted self yeah. to let them know. And my nitpick is, is I wonder if, if a, two cars are chasing each other, one's inverted, one's not. They basically said that they're back bumper to back bumper, but I feel like they should be front bumper to front bumper chasing each other but i guess that would look even dumber so anyway well i i'm just gonna throw this out there because it's one of the things i i think i appreciate the most about this movie after especially after having watched the the little documentary on it of the large documentary on it is um i had done a lot of previs on on films and it was it's always like for you know just to make action scenes work and and it's just kind of makes the uh effects a lot easier to do but for this movie, it's the one time I feel like pre-visualization yeah. mm -hmm. was not only essential, but made it kind of amazing. Because when they b would build an animation of these things, what they could do is take that animation and then reverse right. it. Like, Does this make sense? Does it work? Yeah. And see exact, and then, and then take two different times. They could actually do this in time. They could use time and see if the car, like, is the car going to go forward right. or is it going to go backwards? And they could dictate all of this stuff in pre-visualization. And it's kind of phenomenal using that technology to, to get all this down beforehand. There's a bunch of YouTube videos where people use their, like, 3D models and do the same thing. It basically looks like a previs, but, like people have worked it out like exactly what happens and then they play it backwards and they show it I again. I should watch and, some of those. Yeah, you should honestly. watch some of them. It's it's confusing and also exciting at the same time to be like, oh, yeah. right. I will admit that my brain doesn't totally work that yeah. way where I can fully understand. Even after seeing the movie three times, I'm like, I can piece things together, together better for sure, but I'm still like, ah. Mm. Well, you can imagine like, you know, trying to build all this stuff in, in 3D models and everything and then like with a team of people playing it in reverse and saying like, okay, is this working? Right. Like, And I'm sure like in Christopher Nolan's mind, he understood it all yeah. perfectly, but it takes my mind a little bit of work. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, so the, it ends up in this scene in a warehouse, basically, where um, there's a sort of showdown between Kenneth Branagh and the protagonist. He's got his men holding the pre- protagonist on one side of one of these turnstile rooms, which are basically divided down the middle. One side of the partition is going in reverse and the other side is going in, in real time. And the way you know it is it's sort of separated by lighting, like sort of uh, red and blue lighting, which I think is cool. And sort of evokes the old 3D's like yeah. um, glasses. Yeah. But this scene is also pretty crazy and hard to wrap your head around because um, his goons are holding um, the protagonist in a chair, and he's Brana and um, Elizabeth Debiggy are on the other side, and he's like threatening her. And he's trying to get the information of where the algorithm is going to be or whatever. They have this this whole conversation where it's like. You hear Kenneth Branagh's dialogue backwards, and then you hear it forwards. And then, you know, he shoots Elizabeth Debicki with a reverse gunshot, which is supposed to be even worse than getting shot by a regular gunshot. But they never actually told you why that's worse. No, they kind of do. That's something to do with like the radiation, inverse radiation or something like that being really bad for you. It's a really crazy scene. And then Kenneth Branagh like goes in like, I don't know. He goes out through into the normal like time and then comes back again. Yeah. So like he yeah. knows what's going to happen, which is really kind of crazy. Like I picked up on it this time, like, oh, he knows that he's going to say this and then he's going to say that. So he's actually timing everything that he does when you see him the first time, everything that you see him doing, he's figured out that he needs to do it like that so that he can then go and get the algorithm. Did you guys catch yes. that? Kind of. This was the one scene where I actually felt like I was I was riding the wave and not falling off. Like it right. was even down to like, you know, when you're speaking backwards and then you you're hearing it through the intercom like yeah. on the other side and forwards and it was a cool it was one of the coolest scenes, I think. Yeah. Because you're kind of watching their theory play out in real time. Well, and it's set up like this interrogation scene. Yeah, and it, and I think this is the the one time Christopher Nolan's sort of, you know, offering to hold your hand a little bit was the sort of color coding the two rooms. Yeah. You know, which was definitely a visual thing that we needed. That scene would have been dumbfounding without having a red room and a blue room. Right. You know, this just goes to show that, he, you know, this whole movie was not intended to be understood on one go round because they... You know, when you know what's happening, you could tell in some of the editing that they repeat certain moments in the reverse time so that they're like, okay, you saw this going backwards this time. Now we're going to show it to you forwards as the protagonist, the inverted protagonist point of view this time. But there's no like sort of color coding to that. It's not like, you know, the movie Traffic where it's like, all right, anything that's grainy means that we're traveling back in time or anything like that. But only because I know what's happening in the movie did like in this moment. And then I think in, uh, in the final battle, they definitely cut in between the timelines. They'll go, all right, we're going here. And then now I'll show you the end inverted time coming in and and only because you know what's happening can you actually figure those out but on the first that's i think why i was completely lost that first time watching that final battle because i'm like i know there's a blue and a red team and they're inverted but i didn't know that we're cutting in between those timelines even not only are we cutting between two you know, di- different groups. It's it's so confusing. I think it was your brother who said like, oh, I started to watch Tenet after a few like whiskey sours or something. I was like, 
Oh, forget it. Like, just don't even bother. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. don't try to watch this drunk. You will never, <laughs> ever understand it at all. Yeah, no, I, I really like this scene. And it's definitely one of those scenes where it plays. Every time you watch it, you get a little bit more. You get a kind of a better understanding of what's going on. But then it's kind of like the tour de force. Um, basically, to save Elizabeth Debicki, John David Washington has to, like, basically invert himself and so we get this whole sequence where he he goes out and like Troy mentioned there's this really kind of cool scene and what I, one thing i really love about this movie is there's these shots of John David Washington and they were all in the trailer and they're usually like IMAX shots but there's just something about the lighting of them like the scene when the, the door opens and yeah. you just see him yeah, standing there awesome. in the mask there's something about it that like so it's like a hero shot but it's so unlike any hero shots you you're used to seeing because it's almost like seems so fucking like real, you know what I mean? Hmm. And then and then you're getting it's not like heightened. No, it's the, the fidelity time, it of heightened. that IMAX image because it's a giant yeah. print that just soaks up all the light, and you've never seen anything with that much visual integrity. It's it's stunning, especially in 4K, and you're just like oof. It's uh in in well and John David Washington is a is a pretty dark skinned actor and I think that the IMAX just looks so good on him you know what I yeah. mean because it's like his skin is really dark and rich and when you see it in like 4K it like it it pops which is unusual for like uh for black actors mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to sometimes light them in a way that like pops but he pops it it just looks so good you know like agreed. Just such a great and, and but it's got this just real kind of gritty realism to him. But he like comes out and he's got the, the gas mask on and then you get the reverse shot and you see the world and it's like it seems kind of normal. But then you notice like the smoke is blowing the wrong way and like the birds are going in the wrong way. I never really thought about that. Yeah, I, I think it was just that I was I was so invested in the story that um. I felt like I was in that experience. I didn't really pick up on the the, the close-up shots on his face, but I, I mean, I know now as you're describing it, I know exactly what you're you're getting at, but I think that I just sort of felt like I was there because I was invested in the story at that point. If I can be nerdy technical for a moment, I have watched this movie now in all three formats that I bought. I watched it the first in the 4K, then I watched the digital version the, the, the digital download version, and then I watched the Blu-ray today because I watched it in my den. And I can say don't ever bother watching the digital version because you don't get the IMAX sequences. It's all just hmm. uh, letterboxed. You know, and obviously the 4K is the one to watch if you can watch it on your 4K set. But if you're watching it in your, like, study or whatever and you've only got your Blu-ray like I do, the Blu-ray looks freaking great. It does all the... Wait, um, so the digital version does, doesn't does show the IMAX nope. aspect ratio at all? No, and it's in 4K, huh. too, and it's like, but it doesn't do any of that. Interesting. That's, That's but strange. it's totally like a Nolan thing, though. Like, he doesn't want you to watch the, the yeah. streaming Yeah, you don't version. deserve this unless you have the disc, <laughs> motherfucker. He's right. Like, you fucking digital fuck. So you have to buy a physical you have to buy a physical disc to see this. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. You're fighting for physical media here. Yeah. No, it totally I'm on board. is. It totally is. You do not get this effect with the digital version. And it's worth it because he 
you know, shooting with these IMAX cameras, you see why it, it makes a difference. You know, it's like, oh, it's not, you know, Harold and Kumar. You can't get the freaking experience. This is worth it. You know what I mean? Like him and Ridley Scott, they know what they're doing. They create beautiful images. They deserve to be seen in the best uh, quality possible. Yeah. So then we get this whole like backwards car chase. Do you guys have anything else? We kind of covered it going forward, but was there anything yeah. about going backward that you felt notable? I think the score was really badass. I have to just point that oh, out. Oh, I love the score. Oh, can we talk about the score? Yeah. It's like, you know, taking what Hans Zimmer did, but like totally adding new flavor to it, new energy to it. And like just... It's electronic music done so well, and it's oh, it's so good. I was I was into the score, and I, I the whole time I, I just thought it was Hans Zimmer, and I didn't realize until much later that it was. Um, it's Ludwig Göransson. Ludwig Göransson, who Black Panther. I have to say, and I, this is one one thing that I probably take a lot of heat for from you guys. Are but you going to say you don't like the Mandalorian score I'm because not you were big going, on the Mandalorian no. score? I just can't. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, I love I, it. I feel like the Mandalorian score just sounds way too television. You need to listen to it more. Have you tried listening to it like while you're working on something? No. You should try it. I will. I'll I'll try it. I want to like it. And there's there's cues in there that I really like, but I you know, not to get too deep into the Mandalorian, but I, I wanted it to be more of like a Bear McCrady, like Battlestar Galactica kind of thing. I think it's way better than that. It's something I wanted and wasn't getting. But Back to Tenet, I thought the score was awesome in this. And I you're right, it's kind of it's riffing a little bit on on his previous, like the Hans Zimmer stuff. But I feel like it's doing way better. Like I it think is. Hans you're Zimmer's right. I think those scores from Hans Zimmer lately, he's done you know other stuff, but those types of scores yeah. I think have gotten really boring. Yeah. And I feel like this goes back to that formula, but it makes it fresh again. Oh, yeah. And, the, and then, you know, utilizing, which was kind of an obvious thing, but like taking certain elements and reversing it yeah. in, within the score and stuff. Yeah, that, which is That I noticed at the final battle that anytime they go to the blue team, there's this like sort of reverse like twinkle, like yip, yeah. yip, yip. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, okay, that's a little indicator that we're in the reverse timeline here. But um feel like they could have done even more of it but it was it was it's all just really well done after this in the mandalorian he, ludwig is now my favorite com, uh composer have you ever seen him oh yeah he's like this yeah. super handsome yeah i know dude he's got everything with, like, i'm like beautiful long Jesus. hair i'm like fuck yeah. you ludwig. when he won the oscar for black panther i was like that's the guy that made all that music yeah. i could i couldn't believe it so he's definitely the hot new shit now yeah. Yeah, he's like this gorgeous man who's also a genius composer. I hate him. Yeah. But I love his scores. <laughs> They're so good. But yeah, so now we're sort of in this segment of the film where we're kind of working, we're going backwards because we need to save Catherine basically. The only way she's going to fully recover from this wound is to go backwards in time. And so we get this sequence where they are basically in this like ship. And they're traveling backwards in time. The ship is moving backwards, but they're in... So they, they had to get on board the ship because they knew that it was traveling from point A to point B, and it was the only way they could sneak on it. And they knew they had to get back to another turnstile that they knew was operating. Yes. And the one right. they knew was operating was the one at the Freeport where the plane Which crashed. is... Conf like, Chris, you were saying earlier, like, was there a boat? Was the boat inverted or something? But it wasn't. It was just they already knew 
what trajectory it was moving in yeah, or moving back to. They left it to Ives. They left. They were yeah. like, find us a container that's going back to Oslo in, in yeah. a week. And then they just put that container on the boat and, you know. Yeah, they reverse engineered it like, you know, they, yeah, they reverse engineered their way back to the port. Yeah, but this this ship has inverters on it. No, they are inverted. And when you see them in their like little cabin or whatever, they're yeah. they're surrounded by like plastic, like on all the yes. walls and stuff. So they're being right, like- because you can't breathe. They're being sort of contained. And like one thing I picked up on this- which I hadn't really picked up on before is like they're in this for like a week or something. Yeah. Like that's why you keep getting these cuts of like John David Washington and and um Robert Pattinson just kind of talking through all this time travel shit. We're yeah. we're to take it that they're having these like crazy time travel conversations for like weeks on the end. Like sometimes Robert Pattinson's like too tired and it's just like, you know, well, let's just talk about this later or whatever. And then they cut. Yeah. Oh, wait. So I'm confused because there's two. I'm confused. There's two ships. There's two ship scenes. So they're on. There's two ship sequences. They're just on a cargo carrier, a cargo ship. Yes. Trying to get her back to a turnstile. They're in style. like a shipping container. Yeah. I'm getting this confused with the the other ship that has the, the army yes. on it and they're training and everything. When they're training. No, this is different. So they're just they're just stowaways, essentially. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they travel backwards in time. Um, that's where we get a lot of this sort of time theory of like, you know, can you change the future, you know? And also this is when he starts getting, he starts feeling a sore in his arm yes. and, and Robert Pattinson's just kind of like, oh, you got a little problem there, but I'm, I won't talk to you yeah, too much about it. I totally did not catch that at all until this viewing. I had completely missed it that he's got this wound in his arm yeah. that's sort of gradually getting worse and worse because he's going to get stabbed or whatever by himself. He stabs himself with the thing he was picking the lock with. And then so. Right, he, right, 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 right. Oh, I thought it, he, get, he shot himself no, in the arm. Him. No, he got stabbed. He does shoot at the window, at the, the, the glass, but he doesn't hit himself. Okay. But Robert Pattinson knows exactly what's happening with that right because he's seen him before yeah. he knows what's going yeah. on yeah that was a really cool detail that i did not pick up until this time and then right before they get out into the free port john david Washington like looks at his jacket or whatever he's putting on he sees that there's a stab hole in it and he's like oh and i feel like at that right. moment he kind of gets it what's going to happen like because i mean he knows yeah. where they're going and he probably you know he remembers what happened that kind of sets us up for you know they come into the free port and the plane crash has happened and they're like they're like taking her in a gurney through this chaos um and then they go into the free port he sort of gets like sucked into the he gets blown into underneath that like door and into the free port and then we get the fight that he had in the beginning now from this new point of view where he's the person in the the gas mask in the suit. We we see him get unstabbed, basically. Right. And this is why I, I liked during the first viewing that it was a little understated mm -hmm. because you're seeing you're gonna see it twice. So I think now I feel like they you know they really showcased some of the weird maneuvers this time around yeah. and only hint only hinted at it earlier. Yeah. Which is why you felt like that first fight scene was a little underwhelming. Didn't quite deliver. Yeah. When they when they bring her, they reinvert her to go back normal. 
did traveling backwards inverted a week help heal her? And then they were able yes. to take it out after she went back around again? Yes. They needed that time to heal her properly. Okay. That was the only way to like basically save her. But since she survived that. I thought it wasn't the the duration, but it was the fact that she needed to exit from another inverter. No, because they could have just done that right there. It was a time. Once they invert her, then she's back to just normal healing. But if she didn't heal going in reverse ah, that time, she would have okay. died. It would have killed her within three hours if she had stayed in normal. Right. So she had to remain inverted. For that long, right? Here's what I think the idea is, and this is not explicitly stated. but Because of whatever radiation you absorb when you get hit with something going in reverse. Uh-huh. You know, that that's going to kill you really quickly. Like you're really just healing like normal. But if you stayed in normal time, the radiation, you can only like stop the trajectory of the radiation by going backwards or else it's going to kill okay. you. The wound will kill you. Like, so yeah. she's just healing yeah. from a normal bullet wound going right. backwards. Right. If you're going backwards because it's inverted, you're going in the same direction as the bullet. So. Although, right. does the bullet get reinverted when you go through the turnstile? These are the questions you can't ask. No, that makes sense, though. I see that. I, I understand. That's that. what I thought it was. I thought you had to go through a different turnstile to no, reinvert it's, it's, the bullet. It's about the radiation that's caused yes. by the inversion. That would make mm. sense. So you know, they, they're all going backwards. Um, they determine that um, Kat has got to go back to this time when her and... Sater were last, had a happy moment, which was in their vacation in Vietnam. She's going to go back to this moment and be with him to try to get him which not I'll to say, kill I, himself because we find out. I, I understood it. It was one of the things that I actually was kind of kind of grasped upon first viewing. I just thought it was a little weak. Yeah. It just didn't yeah. seem like, in fact, everything about the scene down to her like, her plan to to take suntan lotion uh-huh. and like <laughs> s- make the floor slippery to push him off for some reason like none of this seemed to be it made so- sense quote unquote we need to talk about this because it does it does make <laughs> sense i mean so basically two things are going happening at the same time in the con- in the con- conclusion there's this big military operation that the protagonist is a part of along with Robert Pattinson and their new friend Ives, who's a military dude who's played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, which I did not recognize him at all all. when I first saw it. I did not know that was him because he's got like a beard and he looks much skinnier or something than he usually does. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the beard. And while Kat's going back to the yacht in Vietnam to keep Kenneth Branagh from killing himself because we find out he's got a pancreatic cancer so he, this is all a big death trip for him. He wants to, to destroy the world because, as as he puts it, if he can't have the world, no one can. This is also reflected in his relationship with his wife who wants to leave him. Which is fine. That's another big James Bond villain. It's a totally fine to villain do. motivation. I'm totally cool yeah. with it. But So what's going to happen is when he dies... Like you said, there's going to be this like email burst. Yeah, I'm like he's going to spam everybody to death. <laughs> Wasn't it like his Fitbit yes. was going to like yes. send a signal to the to a bomb, or it, it's going to basically create the moment, the impact of this reversal in time, right? 
well, the or something. Okay, it's how this thing works is confusing, but he has a doomsday device that's linked to his Fitbit. Right. I mean, it's easy enough to understand in those terms that there's a doomsday device linked to his Fitbit, but when you try to understand what the doomsday how device is yes. and how it works. <laughs> like still to this day, I do not understand it. The, there's like a drop off. There's a, yeah, they keep saying the drop off. Okay. So now is there, there's a bomb and there's an there's algorithm. a bomb above the drop off. Right. So what, so is the bomb, if the bomb goes off, is that going to create the destruction i thought that was supposed to seal everything up so that no one could find it that bomb definitely went went yeah, off this stuff is too many things going on yeah it's too it's too many they, stuff. they definitely know that they won because like the bomb that's how they know that that moment is is the moment to go to because that bomb went off and nobody died so they know to go back there. But by by dropping off the algorithm the right. complete algorithm in the drop off what it's doing is sealing it so that it will actually create the event. Right. Okay. Yes. Right. I believe so. The bomb just seals it up. So the bomb exploding will vis-a-vis create the event. Am I correct or incorrect? If the algorithm is there. Yes. If the algorithm was put okay. in that thing and then the bomb went off with <laughs> yeah. it, right? Like You're asking me and I don't have the answer yeah. and I'm talking out of my ass. Right. So <laughs> you drop off the algorithm in the drop off. In the, in the drop box. Right. Yeah, right. In the drop box. <laughs> the bomb goes off and it seals it, making certain that at some point the event will reverse itself and nobody will be able to stop it. Okay, so now if Kenneth Branagh dies... Does that mean the bomb goes off? Yes. Okay. Bomb goes off, seals the algorithm, the event happens. Yes. So in effect, if the bomb goes off, then everything goes to hell. I think so. Okay. Chris, is that your understanding? <laughs> that was my understanding up until this last viewing. But then in this last viewing, I remember Robert Pattinson writing off some like dialogue that said, it's probably linked to some email burst where he'll, where he'll tell everybody the location of the algorithm as if like he would just tell his enemies where it was. And then, I don't know, it's almost one of these things where like, just leave it alone. We understand what you're dealing with. And I feel like sometimes Nolan fiddles with things that he doesn't need to fiddle with, you know, and just like, just, yeah. just leave it alone. We don't need that explanation. We get it. What it's called in writing is when you put a hat on a hat. Yes. Yes. He's putting like 16 hats on, on. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if this by, by dropping off the algorithm in the, in the drop off box, this tube, this thing, it's, it's like a physical rusty, metal pipe or something that they're dropping this thing down that I do people in the future then retrieve it. Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we don't know how the, the event will happen. Yes. If Kenneth Branagh dies, but we just have no idea exactly how that happens. It is. It's definitely how I think you're right that it seals off the area and that makes it so that the people in the future will get the algorithm. I, I, That's I what it is. So. That's what it is. Yeah. It's that if they if the if this is sealed off and then no one can get at it, then people in the future who are going to want to do this reverse thing and destroy we'll us all be will able get to it. retrieve it. Yes. So Kenneth Branagh, essentially what would happen is he would die. We'd just go on living our lives for like the next 
hundred years or so. I don't think that's right. it though. I I think the future. I think this is the moment when time reverses and then everything ends. The world ends. It's not leaving it to. No, no, no. Well, I thought he He's was right. like, I want my death to be this moment. Why does he choose this moment to be his death? Well, if you think about it in like a quantum, okay, I'm using the word quantum just to make it sound <laughs> like I know what I'm talking about. Okay, let's say like the the event is certain to happen in the future. It doesn't matter if it happens like a hundred years from now. If it wipes out all of history, then basically maybe it would happen at Kenneth Branagh's death yeah and okay. he even says like his son the biggest sin i create i did was to bring a son into a world that was going to be destroyed the implication there is like his son is going to have some life left to live but it's all going to be for nothing and then plus what this thing is going to do is then it's going to destroy everything in history going right backwards. right and so like at, it'll just trigger a series of events that will basically wipe all of time and space yeah so if that happens at all then it would be certain to we would go through the hundred years to that right. event it would happen but then we would wipe out those hundred right. years plus everything else in history so essentially it would kind of happen I feel like the bottom line is 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 nolan's trying to have an emotional climax at the same time as this action climax and it's not it doesn't it doesn't really work for me it didn't work for me the first time i was kind of like when they do yeah. this type of thing and you're like, no, but everything else is way more dramatic than, oh, let me put some suntan lotion on you. And it's like, come on. Like, it just, it doesn't work. They they don't feel equal to me. And I'm just kind of like, this is kind of silly. The moment that it is most obvious is there's this really poor Elizabeth Debicki gets the worst line in the whole yeah. movie where they're talking about like, yes, and then everything will be destroyed. And she's like, including my son. And it's like, like, oh, like, duh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, no. He's going to be fine. I mean, like, yeah, including your son. Jeez, it's lady. It's not enough. Think about somebody else for a change. <laughs> As you're watching this, and I think this is probably 99% of the audience, nobody understands how this thing works, but essentially it's like a little clock on a stick of dynamite. Yeah. And yeah. that's all you need to know. Like, it's a right. ticking bomb. If he dies, it's going to go off, and everybody pretty much understands the story. Yeah, we get the stakes, but it doesn't hold the water for me. Yeah, I think Christopher Nolan thinks it's fun for everybody. You know, our, he thinks, oh, their minds are bent. I did it. I, I accomplished it. It's not terrible. I'm just, you know, I just don't think it's it's the best moment in the movie for me. One small detail I will say is that she pours a ton of suntan lotion onto his back, and when he like. When he pushes him against the thing, and I'm like, "Oh, there better be some that he's white. He's getting it all over the couch." And then when he stands up, you see it on his back. So I was like, "Thank you for that continuity, Christopher Nolan, because that would have been the the most egregious mistake you ever made in this movie." This was one of the things that was one of the most convoluted, more than the bomb, like her trying to make it all slippery to push him off because her role in that situation was to just delay yeah. him. Yes. She's not supposed to kill him at all. Yeah. She's not supposed to kill him. So there's this whole buildup and suspense where she's trying to kill him, which is going against everything that yes. we were trying to, which we were expecting her to do. Right. And the way she's going about doing it is the dumbest plan which is to make the floor slippery. Was that? Or well, okay, no, 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 no. Okay, well, she actually kills him with a gunshot. Yeah. She kills him with a pistol. She's got a silencer. She shoots okay. him. The floor is so that she can push his body off of the boat, and then they can drag the body away in the 
the boat with the Indian guy that she's meeting. I don't know why they need to take his body away. I don't know what the significance of that right. is, why she can't just shoot him and jump off the boat. But, I mean, she's not supposed to shoot him. And if she does shoot him, she sh they've already told her that if he dies, everything ends. I know, and this bothers me about the movie. They're basically saying if they kill, if you kill Kenneth Branagh, then we're all, everything is lost because the thing's going to blow up and we're going to yep. lose the algorithm, blah, blah, blah. But then she does it and it doesn't happen. Yep. Yes. And then she asks him, like, she's like, oh, I guess, are we okay? So I got away with it? Like, No, she goes, did you figure out something else? And yeah. and he's like, yeah, yeah, we figured out something <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, we figured out how to uh, yeah. how to spam. Right. We took all those, bla that email blast, and we figured out a way to delete them all. And like, <laughs> that's it? Like, yeah. And and her reaction is like, oh, okay, okay, good. Yeah, John David Washington's <laughs> not even mad. He's like, yeah, 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 we figured out something. It's like they're right. they, it's like talking to your friend on the phone, like, oh, did you? I'm sorry, we actually left the party, and you're like, oh no, it's fine, it's cool. I, I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna go home. And it's also a lame, it's a lame thing to to give to the woman as if like, oh, she couldn't control her emotions, she just had to shoot him, even though the whole world was at stake. And then she I just know. goes, oh, it's fine, but it's just because of her emotions. It's like, it's pretty lame, Nolan, to, to, to give her that role. But anyway. Like she was able to get her revenge and, and eat it too. Right. Just shoot of. him after the fact. I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. She says to him, he didn't, she didn't want him to have the, the pleasure of thinking that he had okay. won. Right. They do mention that he disappeared after that that day or something like that. So I feel like oh, that's okay. they know that 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 that's he disappears why. after that. So they had to take the body because he's not supposed to be found there or whatever. It's what's happened has happened. So they had to take him. But it is weird that. But you're right, Troy. I feel like they just they did. So it. that's why they have to tell him. I I guess. But she like undoes the thing before he's even dead. As and then which I yes. get Troy. Why you would think oh that's part of her plan. He'll slip. He'll fall through this little thing. That's a safety thing, but like I feel like they were just saving time so that after she kills him, she can just throw him in there without, yes. you know, without having to uncouple that's, this. And thing. that's what it ended up being, yes. But it, but because it was cross-cutting with this other yes. plan, her plan was simply to to keep him occupied, and then she's doing this whole other thing, which seemed like part of the plan. I'm already totally confused because I'm trying to figure out how the drop-off bomb works. Yeah. And I think that we haven't even talked about the temporal pincer movement. Is that with the briefing that the this briefing they dropped on you? Yes. Okay. So the red team and the blue team. Yeah. One team's going forward. One team's going back. What I did finally get is the reason why one team's going back is so they can report the stuff that's yes. happening to. They the were team that's a going reconnaissance forward. team, so they went in to fail. The red team goes in to fail, and the other one. To fail and then come back and tell them where everything is and which is happening simultaneously. Right. And there's an element of they see something happen, so they do something to make it happen. Like that whole thing with the tower. Do Does one team go in and actually let the bomb explode? Yes. The, they said they said the... The red team is supposed to fail to disarm the bomb. Like the red team's mission is just that, no matter what. And then it's just to make, it's just to witness the bomb going off, so they know where I everything. I think so. Is. And then the blue team comes in and then tells the splinter unit, which is just uh, yeah. Ives, and which is more confusing. John David Washington, the information that they yeah. need to know to go 
do their thing. So the red team doesn't really even know what's happening. Like they're just coming in. But because this is like all happening in at the same time, the bomb goes off and it doesn't go off. Yes. Right. I mean, the bomb definitely goes off because we see when they get the, with when they're pulled. Yeah, that's the when bomb Robert off. Pattinson pulls them out of the 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 drop. The bomb goes off, and we see, you know, so it definitely goes off. Yeah, everything starts collapsing. It goes off yeah, both yeah. times, I guess. But I guess one okay. time it goes off and does. But they managed to what the I guess what they were the thread team managed to make sure that the algorithm yes, did exactly. not go that's in the, the main box. point yes yes that okay. the algorithm is not stuck there so the yes. bomb can go off but but it's not yeah sealed. the bomb is is the big event that's the whole reason they they know that that event right. happened and so like which yeah. is why when when you're an audience member watching this for the first time you're baffled as to why totally, the totally. bomb went off and you're thinking, well, well, like it went off as the yeah. end of the world. Do they, what? There's one cool moment yeah. that I picked on now is that they, the red and the blue team coordinate right at the five minute mark, right in the middle to blow up that building twice. That tower or whatever. Uh, oh yeah. That was, that was, they, amazing. they all coordinate. They're like, all right, five minutes, you shoot the top, I'll shoot the bottom. And then it, that whole thing, that first time you see it, you're just like, what is even happening? Oh, that's really cool. And now I'm like, oh, it makes oh, sense. Oh, and that, that other soldier that gets sealed yeah. up in the building because it, it reversed, exploded, and yeah, the wall sealed the, cool. the inverted soldier yeah. inside it. I did say they, they didn't do a good job of, of setting up that these are Kenneth Branagh's people, right? I remember the first time being like, who are oh, they man. fighting? They don't show them. They're not like wearing white. Yeah. They're, they're, you're just like, who are they even fighting? And I didn't even see them the yeah. first time. You barely like, do I, see I, them. I, all I could tell, I thought there was just a red team and a blue team running around <laughs> yeah. firing. And that maybe yep. I, I saw like, maybe there's like two or three yeah. snipers. And I was just like, why do they need two armies with all this military equipment and everything? And and I I couldn't even tell there was a Russian team. You you don't notice it until you've seen it a few times. They're wearing sort of like this white camouflage. Yeah, yeah. You only get maybe like three or four shots of them. Yeah, they didn't, and they didn't introduce the no. enemy. They no. didn't say like, okay, there right. they are. Those are the people that like you're just running around in battle, and they, and there's a couple of like white camo people running backwards. Yeah, they kind of look ridiculous. The only indicator is like when the Volfok or what's the guy's name? Like his the Kenneth Branagh's the like henchman, henchman yeah. sets that bomb and you see, oh, he's in white. Yes, they're here. Those are Kenneth Branagh's people. But until you see that guy, you're kind of like, who the hell are they fighting? There's one moment in this fight too that I think is just kind of goofy and like unfortunately highlights some of the goofiness of backwards mm -hmm. photography, which is like when that when I think it's the red team, they're going backwards back into their ship or whatever like their helicopter i'm like that doesn't look that cool yeah <laughs> it looks like a little silly yeah. <laughs> i thought a lot of the battle looked i mean i was i thought it was great i thought it was really cool kind of liked the chaos of it and stuff but yeah some of it looked a little ridiculous when you're seeing them sort of jogging they're kind of jogging backwards and yeah. it looks like a and an aerobic exercise yeah, silly. supposed to but logistically i mean the the production value here is just off the charts i mean like getting yeah. Yeah. you know hundreds of people to run backwards while other people do the opposite forward it's it's pretty crazy i mean like at least yeah. they i, I kind of almost want even more of the you know reverse like people getting trapped in walls and stuff like that i feel like he should have 
like yeah. had like 50 really ideas yeah yeah for scene. this whole yeah. scene like if you're yeah, really gonna totally. go there i would have loved even more but maybe this was the best of the best but no 100 percent. i think i totally agree with you i think it needed to go way over the top i felt a little cheated or uh the the location i felt a little cheated out on the location because it just sort of looked like a big dry rock area with a couple of buildings you know this i i liked the design yeah of it. it's one of those forgotten really? cities though that's that's the whole point right is yeah. that it's like this russian like yeah middle of nowhere so that made sense like this is not visually interesting i guess i'm being nitpicky yeah. i think for what they were doing it worked like what he was trying to there was so much going on that it's like i think if it had been too over designed or something that would have just been one more i'm thinking of that scene in children of men where they're just running through that that bombed out city yeah and there's all these buildings everywhere and they're going inside of them and they're running up and down stairs and stuff yeah. i just kind of wanted more of that yeah you don't get a sense of like the interior of any of these buildings it's all taking place outside you don't you yeah. don't ever get a sequence where they're inside a building or anything i think that's right. kind of like what you're asking for it's sort of yeah. a more of an exploration of this space when it's really them running around outside of buildings and it's, buildings I, blowing it's up. also just kind of like what chris was saying like just go 150 yeah. percent like just just give us people running backwards up yeah. staircases and falling out of windows and you know utilizing every trick you can throw like throw some crazy climax. cg at yeah. it at this point yeah. you know yeah. give me inception like visuals exactly. at this point you know i know you're trying to do it in camera blah 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 but come on it's the end of the movie yeah. throw some like serious CG our way, pull out all the stops, you know, like do it as crazy as you can. He's trying too hard to keep it all in camera type of shit. And it's like, no, 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 not at this point, dude. At this point you right. go all out and do the craziest. I, I will say the, the, the visual of him dragging them as the whole thing collapses was pretty cool. It's a cool way to say, it. you know, most yeah. people like, Oh, you get saved by the helicopter, but it's like, I'm going to drag you while this whole thing collapses. I right. thought that was a cool image. Okay, so who caught that that was Robert Pattinson? I caught that it was him, but only because of the only yeah. because the first time I figured backpack. it out, but only because of that little backpack thing. Yeah. Like by that point I had figured out what that was. That was him. But I mean, I didn't catch the whole thing of him going in. Like what what I didn't even catch to this viewing. I really like w the way you have to watch this climax to really understand it is to watch it. Every time you watch it, pick one character to follow. Ah. And this time I picked Robert Pattinson and you see his old journey through this battle. Like he comes in yeah. it from one direction. He sees what's going on. Then he goes right. back. And he, he inverts himself in the battle. He inverts himself so that he can help them at the end because he knows that somebody needs to be there to take that bullet or else John yeah. David Washington is going to die and he's not going to, you know, whatever, whatever. It's that basically he's throwing himself in front of the bullet. But he know and Andy's doing all this other stuff too. Like he's he's kind of the MVP of the whole movie. He's throwing the bullet in front of himself, man. So like, but yeah, I did catch it in the first viewing, but just barely. Yeah. It was like one of those things where I was like, oh, yeah, same. I mean, the camera it it showed you like this little red what is it it's like a keychain i don't know some this little red thing you can actually watch it and if you just kind of like tune everything else out and just watch robert pattinson you can see him go yeah. through the whole thing yeah. and 
sort of arrive at that conclusion. But it's just, it's so intercut with everything else that it's impossible to track when you first see it. You're just like, And oh. And now here's the other question on, on your first viewing at the end of the movie or before they take this thing and, and assemble or disassemble it. Did you understand what the algorithm was at all? It's basically just the visualization of an idea. Yeah, but did you get that? On your first view, yes, I got it that that's what it was, and I, I and I honestly, on my third viewing, I'm still in the same exact. Like I'm no, I've gotten no closer to really understanding what it is. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It's a prop. It's a visual representation of of a formula. That's all it is. Right. I mean, I think that's literally what they it say is. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so she doesn't have any records of it. It's just this is the only record of right of he the, says there are no digital he says there are no digital versions or whatever so it's like the only way the people in the future are going to be able to understand how to put this into effect is to look at this physical object and see how it all works and they're going to understand yeah. it they're going to be able to interpret this information this physical information into making the, this inversion happened that they want to happen. Right. So the device doesn't, yeah. it doesn't cause the reversal. It's just. No, it's not a machine. It's the blueprint for the, the yes. device that they'll make later. I think what's confusing about it is when you see it the first time, you think it's a machine right. and it's not a machine. Yes. It's like an art piece right. that will tell you how to <laughs> exactly. do this. That's, that's a really good way of explaining it. That's right. Yeah. And that's basically it. And then they have their scene where they break it all up and they're all like, Ives is like, yeah, I'm going to have to keep, probably have to kill you guys, and, but you know, we won't like that's it's so casual. Yeah. Like, of course we just, and then we end our lives and I'm like, what? But I do love the scene between the protagonist and, and, um, uh, Robert Pattinson yeah. and there, you know, I think it's a really great little friendship, you know, it's a, it's a, their friendship is the heart of the movie. And I, I think it's, I love the, like, this is the end of a beautiful friendship and, he explains to him that, you know, he was the one that hired him and trained him and they they have all these adventures in the future, but you know, he's, he's at one end and, and, and I actually caught that, um, this whole thing has been a temporal pincer right. movement and like John David Watson, Washington is only in the middle of it. So it sort of hints that they could have a tenant too. Yeah. I love that. We, we got up to some stuff. I'm like, yeah, I love, yeah. love that. And so it seems like Robert Pattinson also has to go back to the opera too, because if you watch at the beginning, he also saves yes. John. Day, and that's, that was the same day as this whole climax, right? Yes. It's the exact same day. So he's got, he's, he's got to reverse, go all the way back to the opera, save him and then reverse again to finally die at the doorway. Right. He's got a lot of work left. I guess. He's got a lot of work left in front of him at this point. Not just. I'm not ready to yeah. do the math on that. But I'm just yeah. saying like, you know. <laughs> I think you're right. And so then our last scene, we uh, basically, John David Washington knows that um, uh, the Indian woman is going to kill Cat, but he shows up and we get the big reveal that John David Washington has been the head of Tenant all along. He created Tenant in the future and he. This is really all him. He's been in charge the whole time. That's the big twist. It seems a little rough that he should kill her because, I mean, I feel like she was just following his orders and he, like, literally kills her in cold blood as a loose end. It's a little harsh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if she was necessarily a villain. Well, she's an arms dealer, uh, yeah. right? 
That's true. So by That's being true. an arms dealer, I think you can sort of, by default, be a villain. Easy trigger to pull. Right. He does say that. You're right. Yeah. I think we're supposed to think that she's a pretty terrible person when all said okay. and done. So Robert Pattinson does say, he goes, aren't you going to not even check from her from afar? And then I don't know if you want to get into this fan theory stuff, but that Max is Neil because Maximilian, you go to the last four letters of Maximilian and then reverse them and it's Neil. So they're saying I'm totally ready to sign off on this fan theory. I think it is. I totally believe it. But that means he, he was in reverse. He's in reverse for like... 10 years though like because he's got to grow up to be at least like 20 and then reverse and then another 10 years to get back to where he was right so he you don't age in reverse you keep aging yeah i'm saying so like he he aged and and like when did he start traveling backwards like because you can't just jump time He's literally got to like live 10 years in reverse. Yeah, it was probably about 10 years. That's crazy. But yeah, I think it's a cool idea. Like, But it makes sense that he he knew John Washington was there. John David Washington was there because he knew that he was checking in on them from afar. And I feel like that's the line. You know what it is, Chris? It's, it's Deckard was a replicant. Right. It's the same thing where it's like, I feel like, I feel like Could Nolan be. is yeah. telling you that that's what he's He's planting that there because, like, why is, like, Robert Pattinson have blonde hair? It just seems like yeah. he's clearly visually trying to tell you that he is the the, uh-huh. the kid grown up. He's not definitely saying it, you know, right. but it. I feel like it's there. I think I think that's a fan theory that, that kind of tracks and makes sense. Yeah, I think it's fun, though. And it, and it, yeah, it does track. But, yeah, you're right. That would mean he would been, he would have traveled back in time for a long time but i don't know maybe that's tenet 2 where we get like a crazy backwards time adventure they should call it uh go hang a salami i'm a lasagna hog which is the world's (laughs) the world's longest palindrome (laughs) so what do you think it would be the most disgusting thing you could do inverted definitely taking a shit i mean it has to be taking an inverted shit so any closing thoughts on Tenet? I mean, do you do you guys so you guys think that this would have been a smash super hit if it had come out in a time when we weren't in a horrible pandemic? I guess I do agree with you that if this did come out under normal circumstances, it probably would have been a controversial film. There would have been a lot of backlash against it yes. for how first of all how confusing it was, but also the, you know, the sound, the infuriating sound mix and not being able to understand it. Yeah, I can see this not, like, I think you were right to say this probably would not have done well. It would have been one of Nolan's films that drew the least box office. Yeah, it would have still been a hit and nobody would have been embarrassed or anything, but it would be for him, I think it would have been a step down in what he was sort of used to seeing. I don't think it would have been a flop. I think it would have easily made a lot of yeah, money. No way would it have flopped. I I think yeah. the word of mouth would have, there would have been such a bigger conversation with like a harder, like wide opening. Like so many people would have been talking about it that I feel like that would have generated a lot more buzz and like it could have been came to the point where like you gotta see Tenet because everyone's talking about their theory about it. Whereas now it was yeah. kind of, you know, underground. Everyone kind of saw it at different times. It was you know, like yeah. I know a friend of mine who's a Nolan fanatic, you know, like went to Las Vegas to go see it. And I was like, can we talk about it? And he's like, I can't talk about it until I've seen it twice. And I don't know when you're going to see it. And so 
that was a total fail, you know? And so it, yeah. the rollout yeah. really sort of hurt it, I think. I think, yeah, you're right. If, if it had come out at a time when everybody could have seen it at the same time, mm -hmm. the conversation would have all happened at the same time. That might have probably generated more attention to it in terms of people going to see it in the theater. I think I, I think you guys are right in saying that, you know, I, I think there would be one element of people who saw it once and hated it mm. because they couldn't understand it and were just like, fuck that movie. But then I think there would have been another group of people like us who would have liked it and gone to see it multiple times. And I think there would have been a group of people who were, were generating conversation about it, which got people who maybe were on the fence to be like, all right, I'll go see it. It would have made a decent amount of money. My guess it would be somewhere around seven to eight hundred million worldwide. I do not think it would have broken the billion dollar club. Yeah. I mean, his movies don't always anyway. They just kind of get close, but um, it would have been a hit. We wouldn't be covering it. But COVID happened, so we get to cover it. <laughs> yeah. Silver lining. <laughs> Silver lining to all this. All right, well, I'm going to go take an inverted shit and put together an algorithm <laughs> and just start this whole podcast over again in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> that about does it today for Tentpole Trauma. If you like what you heard, check out our social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for Tentpole Trauma. That was easy, wasn't it? If you like us, hit subscribe and leave us a sterling review on iTunes, if you dare. If you really like us, head over to Patreon.com and get involved in one of our fabulous tiers. You'll be glad you did. Want to communicate with Tentpole Trauma? Send an email to tentpoletrauma at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And who knows? One day you may even get your email read on one of our shows. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you real soon.